Good evening to our neighbors and listeners. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you're listening to the award-winning Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. I'm the community reporter, Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. At the end of the year last year, we spoke to some community members about the embodiment of community joy. Each voice gave a very different answer about how community joy manifests itself in the Germantown community. As a product of that segment, the Germantown Info Hub will begin highlighting projects and people in the neighborhood that we believe help to create joy for the larger community. Last week, we briefly spoke with Monique Pines, the owner of Art Rage's Brush and Flow, and Monique gained inspiration from the Philly children's movement Radical Little Library, and she got the idea to spread her artistic vision to the community by offering a free art supply exchange. Right now, you'll get to listen to us in conversation with Monique about the Little Free Art Studio. Let's listen in. So today we're talking with Monique Pines, the owner and operator of Art Rageous Brush and Flow Art Studio and Art Rageous Child Care in Germantown. Greetings, Monique. Greetings to you. Oh my gosh. So let's first start with checking in with you and Art Rageous. We interviewed you in a community profile many years ago. It was pre-COVID. Obviously, things have changed. So let us know how you've been doing and let us know how what's been going on with Outrageous. Yes. So doing really, really, really well um, to the point where I actually have shut down my daycare. Yep. So I shut down my daycare um, July because during the pandemic, for me... I really, I've always saw the benefits of art, but I saw the need based in it. People needed things to do and it, it art is so healing and therapeutic. So I was getting called left and right. Hey, I want a virtual party just for my family. We're bored. Hey, I want pink kits. And I'm like, I really think I could do this thing full time. It was in my brain, but I was scared, you know, a little bit fearful. And that's when I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and try it and, and see what um happens. So been doing my art parties, my selling my kids and then doing art curriculum as well. So anything creative that I could get my hands in and I'm passionate about, that's what I've, I've been doing. So Art Rages is doing very well. We um have a couple different contracts. We're vendors now. So we're actually going to be um, at Rivers Casino all next month. So um, just doing really well with the, the paint and create. That is amazing. I am so glad that you just expanded the artistic side of your business. That is yeah. just so dope. Do you want to share anything about um, developments with you and your family? I think you... <laughs> yes. Yes, I have a lot like going on because, of course, my business is family. Um, I say we're family ran, although most of the time I'm the head of everything, but pu pulling them in. So my other lead artist, who's actually my daughter-in-law, I'm getting ready to be a grandmom. So she's actually in the hospital now. My grandbaby will be here hopefully by Friday. Yes, Friday or Saturday. And just super excited about that. And well, as my mother who I trained to teach pink party. She taught her first um, pink party and is excited to do more because she's going to be retiring soon. So she'll be doing more of that. And what's so cool, I'm going to make a reel about this soon. My mom actually moved next door to me. So if I talk too loud, she actually can knock on the, the wall and be like, keep it down over there. So just um, 
super excited to, you know, to be family ran and be able to uh, have my family create with me as well. It's amazing. It's amazing. That is so cool. And I did not know that all of your family members were so involved in the art studio. I know that I follow you on Instagram. I know I see your sons pop in and out and I knew that you were going to have a grandbaby, but this is even more amazing. I love to see, like, I know you have such a tight relationship with your mom. Yes, so yes. Me, me and Rashid are definitely interested in this new project that you've got going on about the little free art studio. Tell us a little bit about it. How did you get this idea? So we got actually got this idea about two years ago and I actually had um, shared it. I'm in a group with a lot of uh, other creatives. We call them our pink party sisters. Although we have a couple guys in the group now. So I'll I'll say pink party family. um, And it's, from people all around the world. And I had had this idea in a small, small group and I shared it and I said I was going to do it, but you know, things come up, projects, you know, and I just kept saying, I need to do this. And the more I see little free um, libraries pop up, I'm like, I have to do my little free art studio. So of course I thought of the idea based off of, I love the little free art studios. I mean, free libraries. I totally love being able to um, donate books or go get a book. More so I'm I'm the donator because I always have way too many books. Sometimes I buy them in duplicates if they're on sale or people give me books, especially um, when I was running my daycare, parents would donate books that their kids had um, outgrew. So I kind of, it's like the same concept. You can donate art supplies or you can just come take them, like no charge. And I, I want mine in the studio because I want people to come in and, and be inspired by all the, the colors. And also I get to meet the community. So I'm big on um, that community engagement. Um, so that was one of the other the other reasons because I contemplated on, do I want it outside? Do I want it inside? And just going back, back and forth with it. And I'm like, you know what? No, because a lot of times when people come into my studio, they tell me they're so inspired. So I said, well, I have to bring bring them in the studio and they can say, oh, maybe I can paint a picture like that. Or I'm inspired by those butterflies. Let me grab this um, paint. Let me grab these color pencils or even stickers. So we're going to have a different, um, a lot of different things inside of the little um, free art studio. So I guess I want to ask what your vision would be for this. Of course, taking this far beyond what you have now or or maybe not, right? Do you have any like vision to expand, maybe put them in other spots over the city, um, starting with, well, we're already starting with the Northwest and then, you know, yeah. So maybe. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I want to start a movement. I want to start a a movement how, um, you know, little free uh, libraries are, because that's one thing I had put on my post, you know, because people were reaching out to me privately saying, how, how can I help? And I'm like, you know, you could donate. How You can even start your own. I'm not the type to say, this has to be a Monique or outrageous creation. You could start one. It can even be as small as a little free art box. It doesn't have to be, you know, something lavish, um, you know, but I would love to start a movement because again, I know art, what it was for me and still is, is very therapeutic. We can always, because we can express ourselves without words by doing art and just enjoying the process. I always tell people, you do not have to create this fine art. When you come to me, I'm not an academic course. We are going to have fun. We are going to release some stress. If it's just 
throwing some paint on the canvas and wiping it off, just enjoying that moment of, you know, in the process of, of doing it. And that's what I, I want people to see. I'm not expecting, you know, people to come back and be like, look what I made, but I hope so. But I hope so. Yep. I hear that. I hear that. I heard two different things while you were speaking. Of course, you said the word create. And then you kind of talked about this feel that for me, I kind of interpret as like unity. Right. So that kind of leads into the next question for me is how does art create community to you? Yes. Good good question. So for me, art creates, I know in my studio, it definitely creates community because I get to meet, um, I tell people at my events, every event is like a surprise party for me because I'm getting to meet all these different people. And I say I provide social, a social piece because we are going to engage, you know, different cultures, diverse backgrounds, all different walks of life. We can come together because art, it just, you know, it communicates and it has like this boundless, it's just, it's boundless, but we're able to communicate through art and share whether, you know, you might be more of a charcoal drawer. I might be a painter or crocheter. We all have those things in common where we can create together. So I believe that's how, you know, we build community, but especially with the Little Free Art Studio, it's going to build a different community, whereas though we're bringing it together through the creative and not the the literacy piece. Although I will accept art books, but I'm more so hoping for, you know, more so, you know, those different medias. We got um, markers, things, things like that. So I'll take a little bit of art books, but I kind of want to, you know, keep the little free libraries for books and art studio based for, you know, different kind of art materials and mediums. That sounds good. It makes sense to me. So my final question is going to be, let us just know about the grand opening for the um, Little Free Art Studio. And then also where can people find out more about the studio, your work, how they can donate and contribute, because I know there are multiple ways that people can be involved in this. Absolutely. Thank you, Rashid. So the uh, grand opening and the the, the big reveal, because I've been showing like little um, glimpses of it. It's February 19th from 12 to 2. Of course, it's, it's free. It's welcome all, all ages. We're going to have some um, games. Um, and of course, it will be fully stocked. So people are welcome to take things right on right on the spot. No, no question asked. And of course, people could donate in many ways just by sharing our posts because I, I want people to know about it. It's not supposed to be a secret. I want to share. So by sharing, they could donate to our, we have a wish list on Amazon. Um, and then we have, uh, if people want to donate monetary through our um, Outrageous PayPal and all that could be found right on our Facebook page at Outrageous Brush and Flow. We're also, it's also linked to our Instagram, again, Outrageous Brush and Flow as well. And as well as our website, outrageousbrushandflow.com. We're on Germantown Avenue too, 6345. Yes. I was just Avenue. about to say that. Good. Yes, yes. No, thank you so much, Monique. Thank so, you. yes, folks, check out Outrageous Brush and Flow. That's where the little free art studio will be, right? Yes. And it'll be, it's at 6345 Germantown Avenue, right in Germantown, right on the edge of Germantown and Mount Airy. And go and check out this grand opening in February. We cannot wait to see the entire reveal. So many colors, I'm sure, will be <laughs> 
in there. Yes. And my daughter-in-law, actually, she was the um, the designer of it right before she went into labor a few days. So I'm like, yes, she got it done. You know, I knew that she was uh, due soon, but I wasn't sure exactly when. So this is like yes, amazing. March you're gonna little baby, You're going to have a new little baby and a new little art studio. Yes, I was yes. going to say we might be able to see the new addition to the family. I know. Yes, she should be. Yeah, she should be out by then. Yeah, she was due March 9th, but now she's she's coming early. She's like, she's already being a diva. She's like, I'll come when I want to. That's exactly right. I mean, you, yes. can't, you just can't stop greatness. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm, you know, I, I said she's going to be a little creator herself. Yeah, it's no choice because with me and her mom. Oh, my goodness. Well, that is amazing. We are so glad that we got to check in with you, got to connect with you. Thank you so much for the work and the creativity that you're bringing to the neighborhood. And folks, again, once again, that was the Little Free Art Studio with Monique Pines and Artrageous Brush and Flow on Sunday, February 19th from 12 to 2 p.m. They're going to have a grand opening with lots of creativity lots of activities, programming, and a new little free art studio. So come on through and uh, we will talk to you soon, Monique. Stay in touch with us. I sure will. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Once again, neighbors, that was Monique Pines talking about her community resource, the Little Free Art Studio. Monique invites neighbors to come out and celebrate the grand opening of this new community resource on Sunday, February 19th from noon to 2 p.m. The celebration will include free, family-friendly activities, contests, crafts, and refreshments. You can also keep up with the Artrageous leader at Artrageous Brush and Flow on Instagram. Andrea Walls is a multidisciplinary artist raised in Philly. She's been doing art and social change work for decades, including poetry and photography. Maleka got a chance to speak with her about her latest work creating and curating the Museum of Black Joy and the Black Joy Symposium, and her journey as one of the first rounds of artists awarded the Philadelphia Cultural Treasures Fellowship. We are so glad that we get to speak to Andrea Philly Walls today. Andrea, so good to hear you and to be in community with you. Likewise, I'm so pleased to be here. I hope everyone in our listening audience is connecting with joy um, and uplifting that from the center of who they are in the midst of whatever other realities are happening. Um, I'm hoping that we, on this frequency, are connecting with and transmitting joy. I definitely hear that. So let's just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do, however you want to do that. So, you know, what I have realized since I have chosen to really center myself as an artist in the world, which took a lot of time for me to be able to just without any qualifications say, yes, I'm an artist, uh, you know, in a society that doesn't understand that all the time or belittles it. Um, because questions of, you know, well, what are you doing now? How are you going to make a living? How's that going to pay your rent? You know, when you tell people, oh, I got a poem published. How much did it pay? You know, like in the beginning, nothing. And, you know, but don't come stomp on my joy because I was happy about being published. 
Um, but I am learning that there's value in this work we call art. What June Jordan says, these things we do in the dark, right? When we're up at midnight writing a poem, trying to decide, does the line break here or there? This too is work, you know? And so where is the value in that work? So yes, I call myself defiantly now an artist, a poet, a photographer, a digital artist, a maker, uh, a a person who creates regardless of the resource um, that is uplifting that creativity. Um, But as I have learned to shift in myself, um, this thing that I now demand to to uh, give value to this work because it is work. Um, and because I shifted that dial within myself, the resources are coming because I had internalized all of the ways in which my family, my community had uh, kind of devalued this work of the artist. Not because they, you know, don't love me, but because they don't understand. And I was raised in a moment where Black people could now sort of be anything they wanted. So to decide to be a poet didn't really fit with the moment because art doesn't always generate wealth. And we were concerned with being able to sustain ourselves in a capitalist society, right? So that's kind of my journey. And so, yes, when you ask me who I am and and what I'm about, I am claiming my space as an artist. You know, I've I've been honored to know you for a little bit. Not not a long time, but a a little. But it's been it's a little bit of a long time. <laughs> And I also know you to be very humble, but I, I, I want to just just let, let folks know some of the things that have happened in the last few years for you, because everyone who knows you, Andrea, is like so happy that you are getting all of this. Well, I thank you um, for that. And um, yeah, and I, I want to be careful to... Um, share and why I am really truly in a deep season of abundance. Um, I also want to signify to any young artists. And when I say young, I mean, it does, it's not about age. Like it's whoever's in the beginning of taking up space as an artist, you know, cause I'm, you know, a year shy of 60. And so my blessings have always been around me, but my um, uplift as an artist uh, have taken me many seasons of quiet work to get to this point. I also still get as many rejections as I get yeses or more. Um, and so I, what I've learned is to not take the no's as a reason to stop doing this work Um, because it's important for young artists who are listening not to assume that if you get 20 no's that it's a value judgment on your work. 
it's just whatever. It's not a good fit. You haven't learned to tell your story um, yet um, because it's a practice. So those no's help you refine how you speak about yourself as an artist and your work um, in the world. So uh, while I am in a season of many blessings and a lot of abundance, um, it didn't happen overnight. Um, and I had to learn how to speak about my work. I, I can't tell you how many times I meet an artist or someone I suspect is a, a, an artist undercover, right? And, and I say, oh, are you a poet? You know, because you can hear it, Maleka, you know, right? You, we hear it when young folks tell us th their story or share some work. And they start with all of these qualifiers. Well, not really. Or, you know, it takes a while to get to that place where you just say, yes, I'm a poet. Yes, I'm a photographer. Yes, I'm an artist. Um, and And so... I am so grateful in this moment, um, but I want to be clear. Uh, there were many, 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 many nights where I was like, well, you know, taking those things that I didn't get as a value judgment of who I am as a person and as an artist. And I had to decide to make a practice of it and take my ego out of it because I'm a creator. Uh, I create things. I, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. The fact that we do this work, we put something in the world that was never here before because we sat down at a desk or went out on the street with a camera and an intention um, or a paintbrush uh, and the color red. Um, so yes, uh, I am... I, I'm trying to move with humility, but then honor the fact that I'm doing some things and I'm claiming that space and I'm asking for the resources to continue this work. And, you know, I never know if I'm actually still answering the question that was asked. <laughs> well, Andrea, you you answer in a very poetic uh wonderful journeyed way um no you did not answer <laughs> what, what was the question again <laughs> this it, it will be an interesting um listening experience though because i I'm, I'm going on this journey with you but basically just letting people know what you've been up to and you know it's going to lead us right into you one of your big projects that you've done. And you've done a lot of work. Like you said, you have claimed your space and you have done that work. You created and you, and you curate the museum of black joy. And that was a big project. It was something that a lot of people resonated with for good reason. Tell us how you came up with this idea and, and, and what, what that journey was like. Coming up on the pandemic before the pandemic year, I have been noticing in my own community the ways in which spaces that were sacred to me and my youth were just disappearing it's, it, in West Philadelphia. You know, uh, iconic places and landmarks, you know, we never, uh, you know, you would never give people directions based on the streets and the, you know, the numbers and the names. It would be like, yo, you go down to where the checkers, checkers is and you make a left 
or, you know, uh, you, you, it was kind of like a celestial navigation based on landmarks. And more and more, these I was feeling lost in my own community because I'd be like, wait, we're, like, I know this is the street, but the thing is gone. Um, the And then, so I felt this kind of urgency to document my own community. Um, and then coming up on, I had started to conceive and conceptualize this idea that came to me as the Museum of Black Joy. Uh, and I started the photographic project, which was a personal project, to just go out every day with my camera uh, and catch a moment of Black joy in my community. Um, because all of the narratives that were pushing in on me from social media started making me lose contact with my actual day-to-day -day reality. So I was starting to absorb all of these toxic narratives. And I'm like, yes, we have trauma. We have systemic racism. Yes, there are um, very deep historical contexts for these toxic narratives. And also too, as Sonia Sanchez would say, um, I see dads walking their daughters to school every day, reaching out for that hand before they cross the street. I see crossing guards, you know, fussing with the young folks, telling them, yo, you know, your mom would want you to zip up that coat, uh, you know? Uh, and I just see all of these um, everyday examples of what I'm calling Black joy. So I wanted to enter this as evidence into the public domain to offer a parallel story. And then within that intention, we entered into the global pandemic and George Floyd and all of these very um, hyper real experiences. And I felt like, yes, and too, there is joy, even in these um, very difficult moments. And it is really the signifying factor in the capacity of Black people to live under the systemic oppression and yet create new joyful language, new dances, new strains of music, new uh, fashion, you know, ways of just appearing to not be invisible in a society that's trying to smite you at every turn. And so, I just uh, kind of wanted to create space for the simultaneous story. And with extreme gratitude for all of the folks who are out here fighting oppression, protesting, doing this movement work. But I felt the work that I was called to do um, as an initiative, initiate of a Black community, a Black family, um, like if you don't come to where we are, you don't even know that sometimes we're just still chilling on the stoop, you know, uh, laughing out loud, sharing stories and memories, having a meal. We sit down, we say grace, we, we have gratitude, even if that meal is toast. And so I just wanted to really make space to insert that story alongside 
of um you know the other historic content there is also generational joy um and it and it is a, a miracle that we not only survive but we still create and um, emerge with this capacity for joy and it's joy in the body it's joy in the voice it's joy in the being and it's contagious. And it almost sounds like you're you're talking about not only individual joy, like you said, collective joy, community joy, joy amongst our neighbors, joy amongst our families, joy amongst our or our organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that happened this year, since since you didn't say it outright, <laughs> that's okay though. One of the things that happened this year is you were one of the artists in the first cohort of the the Philadelphia Cultural Treasures Fellowship. And it was from the Pew Fellowship and I know that this was this was a a, a big fellowship. And um Rashid and I, my colleague, our community reporter realized immediately that we knew a, definitely a lot of names on that list, including some really heavy hitters in our Germantown neighborhood. But we also wanted to talk to you because one of the things that Germantown Info Hub wants to wants to study and to center in our community-centered journalism is joy. And uh, we wanted to know what you're looking forward to doing with this support and with this Philadelphia Cultural Treasures Fellowship. And it doesn't have to be anything specific. It could be general, whatever, whatever you were thinking about. Well, I have uh, many irons in the fire um, that I am now able to fully ignite. Um, I have several projects. Um, I've just completed a a kind of proof of concept for this idea of going into Philadelphia schools and community centers um, with this photographic intention to do an exhibition in a day. Because what I found during the pandemic is uh, the capacity of teachers to take on more outside programs that they actually may be interested in, but they don't have the capacity. They're already, you know, overworked and and working in uh, difficult situations. So uh, through a partnership um, with someone who reached out to me when I got um, uh, some a little bit of press around Museum of Black Joy, we've been trying to figure out, well, how can we uh, manage this lack of capacity and do something um, extraordinary? Uh, so I, I just recently uh, completed an exhibition in a day or so. It was actually kind of maybe 29 hours because we had trouble with the internet, which is fine. But just going in with some tablets, uh, an intention to get stories of joy from the young students. So we did it. We we have an exhibit up at the Academy at Palumbo. Um, and it, it's, it's so exciting. So we went through uh, meeting students, engaging students, giving them uh, tablets as cameras, setting up the studio, uh, 
making the images, printing the images, framing them and getting them up on the wall like in a day. And it's astounding and it's beautiful and it's possible. Um, things don't have to be hard. Um, and especially when we center joy in the process. Uh, I have another uh, project that is just now kind of coming into fruition as well. I traveled to uh, South Africa with Women's Mobile Museum uh, in September and made some amazing connections on the ground uh, and am working with partners in South Africa to do a Black Voices, Black Joy uh, podcast uh, from a South African point of view. So I just got the first rushes from that experience. And, and it's so exciting uh, to expand resources because money goes a, a really long way in Johannesburg and it, it's able to create this uh, space for black creatives to do the work that they really wanna do for themselves. So that partnership is extremely exciting to me right now. So Museum of Black Joy is centered in Philly, um, but we want to take the, the experience global. We want to collect stories from around the world. And I do want to insert uh, that I am very much on the shoulders of uh, Germantown icons like Vashti Dubois from the Color Girls Museum. Like, you know, Museum of Black Joy didn't just pop into my head um, without any connections to what the work that other Black women are doing. Um, so this thing that Vashti has done creating the Color Girls Museum out of her home and making this extremely sacred space, you know, uh, Ursula Rucker, um, who is always down to like provide you with her energy, her talent. So I'm so excited that these are, are other uh, people who have gotten this Philadelphia treasure designation. Um, and uh, Women's Mobile Museum, which is uh, an experience that was, uh, it was a media apprenticeship. So I've, I've only had a camera since 2018. And I have this camera because a Black visual activist, Sir Zanelli Maholi, was given an opportunity to come and do a residency in Philadelphia. And Maholi says, I will come, but you need to go raise more money and uh, bring some women of color into this um, possibility and we want to teach them cameras and like people who wouldn't be able to afford to to go to say you know uh university of the arts um so that generosity of an established artist who made space for a bunch of us to learn um is the kind of thing that i am am really wanting to emulate with this resource um, to to expand it beyond this great thing that I've been offered. Um, so again, to make a short story long. <laughs> but you know what? Just so many different things going on. And I know that, you know, even just like you said, such an exciting 
kind of honor and award for yourself, but I knew that you were excited to kind of hit the road and like just get these ideas that you've already had running and have that support. Exactly what you said, like a lot of the people, other people who are in this fellowship, just really just bringing everybody alongside with them. You know, one of the things that I really loved um, that I read on uh, on your website is that you stated that to imagine and ritualize an opulent Black future rooted in joy. And I love that. I love that sentence. And I thought about it a lot because obviously in the United States here, it's February, we're celebrating celebrating Black History Month, but I'm 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 trying to really be in that space where I'm centering exactly the sentence that that I read from your website, imagining and ritualizing an opulent black future rooted in joy. And I wanted to ask you, Andrea, what are what are some of your imagined visions for 2023 and beyond? You know, it's still the beginning of the year. Feels like it's been so many months, but it's still really just the beginning. For sure. Uh, so I do want to call out this the idea of ritualizing Black joy. We have so many bad habits personally and um, community-wide and in these structural, you know, in institutions. Um, and so it takes time, intention, and purpose and practice to set a new habit. So like the ritual is a, a way of I think of it as a radio dial so that when uh, my my lower vibrations uh, kind of take over, I, I think of myself as tuning the radio back to the frequency of joy. Um, because sometimes in Philadelphia, which can be a very harsh landscape, you know, you might uh, respond in kind to some, you know, violent encounter um, verbally or or physically. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to tune myself daily to the frequency of joy. Um, and much of this idea comes from Dr. Gabriel Civil, who participated in the uh, Black Joy Symposium last year. She has a book, Experiments in Joy, um, and, and just this idea of making a ritual of these things because we can choose joy um, and it's not easy, um, especially when we are in traumatized and traumatizing environments, um, but it is a choice. Um, and so I'm trying to create programs that help us to center joy, to choose joy. And I distinguish joy from happiness because joy can be simultaneous with your grief and your sor sorrow and it's a an emergent strategy uh as you know you shared that book with me uh, um, several years ago and I thank you for that and this uh sense of uh, what we're trying to do in this year we're uh sponsoring a series of joy junkets I'm calling them so I'm I'm taking some Philadelphia artists to Oakland at the end of this month, they're having a Black Joy parade. So we're going to stay at uh, Beloved's Guest House, which is a Black-owned uh, guest house in West Oakland, which was historically Black. 
um, and is, you know, in a period of gentrification. Um, we're going to get our sustenance from the Mandela Food Co-op and like leave our Black Joy dollars in the Black community. And we're going to combust that Philly Joy with that Oakland Joy. Um, we're, uh, we're also going to go to Essence uh, Fest in New Orleans and connect with some of that New Orleans joy, um, going to the Gullah Geechee uh, Herbal Festival on one of the Gullah Islands in um, October. So I'm trying to take some of these resources and um, sponsor events in different locales, bringing our, you know, Philly-centered experience out into the world um, so that we can connect with more joy. Um, and get on the frequency of of different cultural contexts um, it, where the music and the food and the and the elders are all part of it. I also have on my website, which hasn't gone fully live yet, a global joy archive um, where uh, you can go on the website and just tell a story of joy, sing a song. Uh, share a poem, uh, interview an elder, uh, and then all of the stories will be geolocated uh, uh, globally. Um, and so then you can just go on if you need to hear a story of joy um, and and just listen. Have you thought about a physical manifestation of this Museum of Black Joy? Thank you so much for asking that question. I am actively looking for a space I'm open to the possibility of having a space donated. Um, I'm looking, uh, my ideal locations would be in West Philadelphia on 52nd Street, 60th Street, Lancaster Avenue, maybe Baltimore Avenue, uh, or in Germantown on Germantown Avenue. I've just noted that there is such an abundance of creative energy happening in Germantown right now. Um, but I really want to be on like a market kind of street, right? Someplace where there's energy and where a young person might just walk by and be like, well, what's going on in there? And like, feel like a busy welcome. thoroughfare. Exactly. Okay. Um, so I, I'm definitely um, looking to manifest that um, in a way that that makes sense and is sustainable. Is there any other things that you can imagine this year coming out and, and just just thinking about all your different imaginations? You know, I, I think um, with the podcast coming from South Africa, uh, I'm trying to make a connection with some folks in Brazil right now. I just want to go global um, and be able to create space. And I really want to center young people in Philadelphia. You know, there's so much violence in our midst right now. And I feel like so much of it is because our young people don't feel safe, you know? And um, so these choices are indicative of, of us as elders and as um, systems not doing enough to make sure young people have safe space where they can be brave enough to let go of these implements of protection 
um, and, you know, and, and the violence that comes. And, you know, America is just so confusing. We use violence, when I say we, I mean like government, like, you know, we, we use violence for every, every single thing. And then we uh, criminalize young people who are following the lead of our leaders, you know, and it, it, it's baffling. And how are you supposed to grow up um, if you don't feel safe and you're connected to a history that has been trying to destroy you and then you watch on your social media people who look like you destroyed in slow motion and then you go to bed. What? How are you supposed to feel um, like you belong here or you're welcome here or you're entitled to the streets or even that you're entitled to your joy um, because joy, kindness, grace, so often in this construct looks and feels like weakness. And so we don't protect that soft, able space in young folks because it really it is not safe. Um, and, and I had some young students say that to me in, in a workshop that I did in Trenton, New Jersey some years ago. They were like, Miss Andrea, all those things you say sound nice, but they will get us hurt. Mm. And I had to, and I had to listen. And I had to say, I hear you and I need you to be safe. And I'm not trying to come in and tell you who to be in, in your neighborhood or your world, but I do wanna plant the seed so that the time at which you do find your way to safer ground, that you know kindness is something you deserve. Joy is something that belongs to you and needs to be shared um, and uplifted and spread. Um, but I have to I have to listen to a young person who's telling me it's not safe for them to be kind. And then I so now I know like we need to do more work. That's so deep. I feel like um I, I I'm I'm processing that all and I'm thinking leaders, organizers, artists, all working together to have the, to, to, to provide enough of our basic needs and our basic safety so that young people can have those thoroughfares to joy, that there are no obstacles there, right, right. there, you know? Right. That you can risk, you know, a tender moment, <laughs> you know? Because it is a risk. And that you won't, that you don't feel like your vulnerability is going to get you attacked somehow. Right. You know. Um, Andrea, so thank you so much. I mean, I could really talk to you for quite, quite a bit longer, but uh, that'll be on another day when I get you out <laughs> to Germantown again. But um, why don't you tell people how they can... Uh, stay in touch with your work 
and uh, we will continue to uh, reach out to you. And well, thank you so much for this uh, for this time and this space. Uh, I can be reached at museumofblackjoy.com. Uh, you can uh, go to the website and then uh, use the contact. Um, or you can reach out directly uh, to info at Museum of Black Joy. And um, I'm, I'm happy to partner with organizations, create um, custom programming uh, to, to speak to specific communities. Um, I'm looking to bring this uh, exhibition in a day to as many places as I can. I just started um, a nonprofit, uh, Museum of Black Joy Foundation, so we can raise funds to pay artists, support the programs, but bring the movement to community members for free. So all of those things, uh, you know, will probably come online probably March of 2023. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maleka. I, I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Once again, that was Andrea Philly Walls, who we might hear in the near future at an exhibit in Germantown or around a moment in joy. Engage in some of Andrea's work at www.museumofblackjoy.com or on Instagram at Museum of Black Joy. Before we end today's show, I will share some events and opportunities gathered for our Reporter Roundup, where we occasionally share events and opportunities in the interest of our neighbors available here in Germantown and around the city. First up, the Color Girls Museum has called for poems from local color girls. Their current exhibit, Citispell, will reopen in March and exhibit features the house naming each of her rooms and spaces as a body part. They are inviting submissions from local color girls which relate or respond to any of the rooms as listed. Eyes, mouth, arms, back, hands, breast, heart, womb, feet, and spine. The writing prompt that you can follow is, if every room in a house was a body part, what would she be? These poems are due by February 20th, and you can visit their Instagram page at the Colored Girls Museum. Use the link in their Instagram bio to access that submission form. Next up is some great news for our Germantown residents. So tenants and zip codes 19144 now have right to counsel and are entitled to free, yes, I said free, legal aid if they are facing eviction. Philadelphia's right to counsel guarantees free legal representation to eligible low-income renters. Eligible renters have a right to counsel when they face eviction proceedings, lease or other tenancy termination proceedings, PHA housing subsidy termination proceedings. And under these circumstances, right to counsel is available for judicial proceedings, such as those in municipal courts, administrative proceedings, such as those held by the Fair Housing Commission. And to qualify for right to counsel, you must have an income at or below 200% of the federal poverty level and live in a zip code that is covered by right to counsel. And currently, the eligible zip codes are 19139, 19121, 19134, and 19144. Your immigration status will not affect your eligibility. Please remember that right to counsel means that you have free access to a lawyer. 
So there is no cost for exercising this right. To access these services, you should do the following. Call the Philly Tenant Hotline at 267-433-2500. The hotline is staffed by the Tenant Union Representative Network. Interpretation services are available. And if you don't have access to a phone, you can visit Community Legal Services to be screened for services. They are located at 1424 Chestnut Street in zip code 19102. The CLS walk-in hours are Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. noon. When you call the hotline, you will need to describe your situation to a hotline staff. You'll need to provide some information to help the staff determine whether you are eligible for right to counsel. This may include your household income, zip code, and other details. You may also be asked to provide documentation like a hearing notice or a notice of housing subsidy termination. After explaining your situation, you'll learn about your options for getting help. If you're eligible for right to counsel, the staff will refer you to a legal service provider. The provider will ask you for more information so that they can support your case. And those providers include Community Legal Services, Legal Clinic for the Disabled, and Senior Law Center. If you are not eligible for right to counsel, the staff will still try to connect you with other services or advice. Once again, to learn more about Right to Counsel and see if you're eligible by contacting the Philly Tenant Hotline at 267-443-2500, you can also find additional renter resources at phillytenant.org. Next up, Monday night, 8th District Council Member Cindy Bass hosted a virtual community meeting for neighbors to learn more about possible plans to move forward with the Germantown Community Town Hall building at Germantown Ave and Haines Street. At least 100 people attended the meeting, though there were reports that folks weren't admitted in the meeting. And at the end, Bass did recognize this technical issue and she did apologize. This meeting was a chance for West Powelton Development Company Principal Anthony Fullard to present his vision for the Germantown Town Hall. Fullard is currently working on projects up in Mount Airy off of Porter Street, and he is known for the redevelopments of the Osage Ave homes that were destroyed during the move bombings in 1985. Fullard answered 23 participants submitted questions as participants were not able to unmute themselves or use the chat box. Councilmember Bass read the questions off and then Fullard answered them. If you want a full summary of those questions and answers, you can you can visit www.germantowninfohub.org for that full story that is written by me. As for some of the things included in this plan, Fillard shared the following. On the first floor, they want the front dome to be a two-story event space with a back-of-house space. Commercial spaces on the first floor and residential one-bedroom apartments. On the second floor, of course, again, that front dome two-event story space, but also to the second floor, short-term residential spaces otherwise, which you would know as Airbnbs, and then long-term one-bedroom residential units. And on the third floor, it would be all one-bedroom residential units. However, the roof, they want to make it a possible outdoor event space, but they do want to keep that bell tower to remain to keep that historic feel. Ballard says that he envisions the housing to be 50% affordable and 50% market rate, though it is unclear what affordable means to him, though he mentioned bringing in a third party to help handle housing vouchers. Bass says another meeting will be hosted in March, though a date is unclear. 
We will keep our neighbors updated and informed on this information regarding the town hall building as much as we can. Again, to read a fuller description of events from Monday night, including the questions and answers, you can visit www.germantowninfohub.org. And lastly, the United States Postal Service is hosting job fairs across Philadelphia throughout the rest of this month of February, three of which are happening in the Northwest region of Philadelphia. The first one happened today at the Green Street location, but luckily you can show up for two more. The next one will happen on February 15th at the East Germantown location at 2301 66th Avenue. And then the final date in for the Northwest region will happen February 22nd at the Market Square station on 7782 Crittenden Street. Again, these are closer to our neighborhood and easier to get to. However, there are more job fairs happening around the city this month. If you go to usps.com, you should be able to find more information on these job fairs. Well, Germantown, that is about it. It's about time. If you have story ideas or information that you want to share with the Germantown Info Hub, feel free to email gtown.infohub at gmail.com. You can also keep up with us on social media at Gtown Info Hub on Twitter and Instagram and Germantown Info Hub on Facebook. Additionally, you can read our stories at germantowninfohub.org. And we also encourage listeners to text the Equally Informed Philly text line, which is another program under Resolve Philly, allowing Philadelphians access to information regarding Philadelphia services. The Equal Info line is a free bilingual, meaning English and Spanish, question and answer texting service that provides subscribers with vetted local news and resources. To start asking questions, you can text Equal Info to 73224. Equally Informed also supplies a community-driven print newsletter available at health centers and libraries all over the city. And that's about it. So once again, I am Rashida Jamu, the reporter for the Info Hub. Thank you to our guests for speaking with us today. And as always, thank you to our neighbors for always listening and engaging and allowing the Germantown Info Hub to serve you. Until next time, good night, Germantown.